I was just trying to have a good podcast. I don't want to throw out his name, but I know he's going to hear this. And I remember being in the gym and the first time we were talking about certain things and I just called you out. And somebody in the gym was like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that. What's up, Jake? <laughs> Love you, Jake. But you know, like... Jake Bowman Shaw, everyone. He's amazing. And they, dude, for who he's at and where he is in his life, I see nothing but greatness for that guy. Yeah. Like, genuinely loves to grow in a very uncomfortable space. But even I make sure at of that. times, <laughs> he is like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And I'm like, look, what's he going to do? Beat me up? <laughs> Like, let's be real about the situation here. We're grown adults. I'm going to call them out and be like, this is what I saw. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Talk Hard Podcast. Bringing it to you live. Wow. Chris. We're not even live. Uh, is that how it's going to be? That's how the show's going to be, guys. But no, Chris, what I want you to do next time is like record the setup and then that little SpongeBob where it says two hours later. <laughs> By the way, we have a we have a special guest. Absolutely. Oh, uh, who we got? We got Mr. Jake Bowmanshaw in the are house, we, ladies and gentlemen. Well, yes, we're live. Oh, we're live. I've been <laughs> alive this whole time. I don't know what you've been doing. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Jake Bowman Shaw. How you doing today? How you feeling? How you ready to go? You caffeinated? You, you, you I, good? I am caffeinated out of your fridge, your Celsius, <laughs> your beyond amounts of Celsius that you keep in your fridge. So what Fahrenheit do you keep your fridge at then? Is it not cold? I don't know. Do you have my, do you do you have my thing? Celsius? No, I don't have your thing. All right, whatever, guys. You know, I'm unprepared. I'm, un, I'm unrehearsed. Jake. Jake. Jake, Jake, Jake. Tell us a little bit about you. Who are you? What do you do? Like Jake. Got you. Yeah. Like Jake, who uh, are you? I will start with who Jake used to be. Okay. No. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, that's no, 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 why not? Why no, not? I won't go into did, too much detail. Can I tell right. stories about you then? After. <laughs> yep. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> so who Jake Tell him how you used to get money, Jake. <laughs> tell him. I did not do sexual favors. I'm just kidding. Go 20 ahead, bucks Jake. is 20 bucks. Yeah. So, sure. um... I don't know who Jake used to be. You know, uh, Brian, I talked to you earlier in the week, man, yep. and you were like, we want to hear a little bit about your story. Did we turn out and we're going to talk about my story? Not completely. But who is Jake? You know, Jake is somebody that used to suffer but with um, pessimistic uh, anxiety, which I still am anxious. Hey, wait a minute, different. though, Jake. How nervous are you right now? Not nervous. <laughs> I'm not nervous. <laughs> okay. But no, I used to be such a an egotistical maniac, man, and I, okay. I just ran the streets, and I made everybody feel like they were less than, and I could I could take whatever I wanted from you, and, and all this bullshit. Um, who Jake is now is I try to save people from being that person. Okay, right. So I compare my story that I've went through in the past, and my and I try to just help people, man, and just relate to them. Yeah, I'm a operations manager at a treatment center. What, I what, what, what treatment whoa, 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 center? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not just a treatment center. Whoa. What treatment center? Yeah, what treatment centers you work at, Jay? Yeah, go do ahead. you know this one? Name drop. I mean, I do, but they Evolve Indy Treatment for Evolve Center Indies. for Recovery. <laughs> Wait, what's the name of it, Jake? He's like, I, I think I know where I work. Uh, Evolve Indy Center for Recovery, man. And it's, uh, it's the greatest treatment center man, on earth. I have heard about this treatment center. I am blown away by all this that I hear out there in the street. Apparently, it's a very good treatment center. Yeah, we do. I mean, I've been through treatment like nine times, man. And I, and I compare that journey that I went through to what we do there, and it's just it's amazing to so, see the differences. So you have that relatable aspect that we talk a lot about. Like, 
Um, that relatable aspect, one alcoholic working with another alcoholic is without parallel. Right. And, and, and I think that's profound. And I think it's one of the, it is the guide. It's the number one, like when all the years back in 1940, what was it? 1949 or 39. I'm sorry. It's skipping me right now. The AA was, was made, but anyway, I think it's 30, 1939. Like they, Dr. Bob and Bill, and they just couldn't figure out how to get sober. And they were trying all these different things. And, you know, basically they were, everybody, all the doctors and the hospitals that they had ended up in, they're telling them that they're doomed to death and they're never going to get better. And the one thing that started AA, that that changed the world, really, I could say that, because AA is worldwide and it has changed, has been, it's changing millions and millions of lives. And the one thing that they found that worked, that started the whole thing was the fact that one alcoholic went into the hospital and started talking to another alcoholic and that helped him stay sober. Yeah. And like my biggest thing is when I'm sitting down with a, with a client or somebody that's in there struggling, I relate to them and I just see their whole face change over. They're like, all right, they breathe a little easier. They're like, you're not just a, some guy behind a desk. Well, you're somebody I can relate to. And you're telling me some real life shit you've been through. Yeah, that's. Just, I used to say this all the time, Brian. I would say this all the time, and, and looking back on it, it was it was ignorant. Don't get me wrong, but I would always be like, I'd go to, into a treatment center, a detox, or a hospital, and I would, you know, me egotist, egomaniac as well. You know, I would tell them like, look, man, if you ain't shot up with toilet water, like you and I don't even need to talk because you have no idea where I've been. You know? Yeah. So that's why it's important, and that's why it helps, and that's why it's profound. So tell us as you're going through this journey that you're on right now like we talked a little bit on the phone earlier and we were we were talking about topics and I like to shoot from the hip as Marty hates but it's just the way I like to roll because I feel like it's the most like the realistic version is the unprepared one like when I used to give leads I used to write a bunch of notes and then when I would get there nothing that I wrote down was what I'd actually say right because when it's genuine it comes from the heart so as you're going through this current journey in life like we talked about legacy like for me the things that come to my mind when I think about legacy is did I live did I love and did I matter Mm. like if I died today who would show up to my funeral right right what does that mean to you so somebody asked me early on in my recovery journey what does your legacy look like you know they asked me they're like what does it look like for you if you died right now if you were just to drop dead and I just dropped my head down I mean I was just like I I couldn't even fathom the thought of it and then I couldn't even think of what I leave my I don't, I'm not talking about materialistic things. I don't, I don't have a fortune that I'm going to leave behind yet. Right. I'm working towards all that. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I I'm like working that. towards, I have goals, yeah. Yeah. but like what, are, what are, words are the people are going to associate with for my kids and for my wife and for my family and friends? Like, what do they all really think of me? I think today, if I died, as soon as I left here, if I got in a car accident and died, everybody around me, I've built this family and I'm not talking about blood. I mean, my brothers and my, and my friends in recovery and everybody that's I've surrounded myself with, my family would be okay. My kids would have a good name. They would, they would bury me. Yes, they would cry, but it'd be tears of joy. And they could talk about my stories and about how I changed my life. And how you effectively helped in, in your, you, you changed your life, but how you've affected so many people in your recovery journey. I think that's, 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 some, that's a legacy that I would be happy dying with, right? I remember this talk about legacy because I, this was one of the reasons I got sober, to be honest with you, I remember the one of my uh, one of my overdoses. I, I took a shot in a, in a dirty ass bathroom. 
you know, the type of bathroom that has no running water and, you, you know, you got, it hasn't been, the toilet hasn't been flushed for like, I don't know how many days, right? A lot of days. It's piling up, just smelling wonderful in there. <laughs> nice, you know, uh, five-star <laughs> bathroom. Uh, but no, seriously, like I'm in there and I, and I took a shot and I woke up, I don't know how long later, on the floor next to this dirty-ass toilet. Next to the, like the, the, the toilet was, like I just said, hadn't flushed in days. Underneath the toilet was no, no tile, no linoleum. It was a, it was a, uh, OCB, uh, particle board that was rotting and falling through. And to the point where you can see the insulation underneath the floor, right? So it's this type of house. And I, I'm laying there and I get up and I'm just like, man, and, and something hit me with the fact that, you know, I, I, I just died or I could be dead right now. And this is how I'm going to be remembered is this person and, and how I died. Because we, we all hear stories of overdoses. And that's the first thing we hear. We don't hear that so-and-so was this, this, and this. We hear that he died, he overdosed. And he was at this house or he was there. And, and you know, and we're just like, oh. And I, I, it looked, I, I stood up and I looked in the mirror. And it pictured me at, at a, you know, 143 pounds, whatever I was. You know, looking in this mirror, hair hadn't been washed, hadn't shaved, you know, just. And I thought to myself, man, this is how my kids are going to remember me. This is how, this is the story that's going to be left behind. It's like, you know, while I thought I had some big name and some reputation, it was all, you know, it was all surrounded with drugs and, and being able, oh, he's a badass or he, he's got the drugs or he's got this and he's crazy and he's all these different things, like stuff that I thought was cool at the time, you know, and that, and I, I really, I didn't get sober at that moment, but that moment, you know, it planted a seed in my head, like this is the legacy that I'm going to leave behind was this shit, you know, and that's sad. So, like I said, I didn't get sober at that moment. I still had a, had a few more, had a little bit more bashing my head. A couple more t- toilet, toilets to run into. <laughs> I had to bash my head against a brick wall a few more times, uh, quite a few more times. But that, that did, leave a, did leave a seed, you know. So I, 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 with legacy, you know, it's important to me, just like with Brian. Like, I, like we're all, here's the thing about life. <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. Nobody. Only thing that matters here is the memories that you that you create, the legacy you leave behind, the people that you help, and all these different things. Like life is about connection and 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 connecting with people and helping people. And because man, like this this life is short. There's not much here. There's not a lot going on, and, and nobody seems to understand the meaning of it. Right? I don't know. Legacy's I- big for me. Legacy is is a big part of it, and I think what people search for, and you guys have touched on it before, is like a purpose in life. Mm. You know what? What's your purpose? I, I thought my purpose was to be a, a a dad and all these things in early recovery. I was like, I want to get my kids back. I want to get my kids back. Right. I, they need their dad. Well, I wasn't ready. Right. I wasn't ready to have my kids back, and and I didn't deserve that yet. Right. So now that I found a purpose in multiple areas of my life, I feel like it's everything's just so much easier. Right. It is. I mean, we. We overcomplicate everything. You complicate everything. <laughs> so do you, Marty. Like we all, we all, we, we complicate the things that we don't need to do. If we simplified it and just remember where we used to be and where we're going and everything in between and, I, and just have gratitude throughout it. Like everything's so much sweeter when I remember to do that. Well, that's the funny thing is like you just, you mentioned something about parents and I've been seeing this a lot lately and it, it just 
it interests me when somebody's like, I want to be a good dad. And, and that's a variable, right? Like a good dad to me was not a good dad to my brother. Right. Because I love my dad. Me and my dad are like super close. And we had similar experiences in the family, right? My dad was an alcoholic. He was a jerk when I was younger. He worked a lot. You know, like that impacted other people in my family differently than it did me, right? So what is a good father? I think it's a byproduct of just who you are as a person. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. Like children will feel things differently, right? So all you can do is be the best version of yourself. And there are dads out there that feel like, well, if I just work my face off, then that makes me a good father. And, and I'm like, okay, but what what are you leaving behind? Like what memories are you leaving behind? You might leave behind some money. Cool. If your kids don't understand that with entitlement, that'll be gone in a year. So <laughs> what did that. you actually do, right? Like I've seen it happen a lot where these kids are entitled. They don't understand the money because they didn't have to work for anything. And But dad left millions. And then a year later, they're. They're probably calling us to try to get in treatment. 20 bucks point. is 20 bucks kind of a thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's so. <laughs> like I'm not gay, but I'm broke. So what does your legacy look like today? If I died right now? Yep. So today, so I got a two-year-old, I got a 10-year-old, and I got one on the way. I got a daughter on the way. So my daughter I would never meet. So not, not, only, not only do you have that, but you're actually a father to these kids too. To the best of my I, ability. Ah, uh, No, you are. <laughs> you are. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. And so if my daughter would never meet me. So she would only hear what Marty tells her, what Kimberly, my wife, tells her. She would only hear what my friends. I, I promise you, you, I will not let her call me dad. Don't tell her the <laughs> truth. Oh, I keep cussing. Sorry. But, um, you know, so she would never meet me. So I've impacted the other two. I wonder what she would be told. I think it'd be, I think it'd be pretty good thing. She would have good memories based off my friends and family's uh, perception of me. Okay. Yeah. Your wife would definitely, long, you know, your legacy would live on with your wife. I guarantee it. She loves you. And it took a long time for us to get to that point. We've been together five years, and she's... Shout out to you, by the way, baby. Love you. I love it. Perfect. No, it's okay. I have a good relationship, too, with my wife. Yes, you we, both do. It makes we, me we disgusted. Can, we can dive into <laughs> that situation later, but... Are we going to? No. Me and him talked yeah, secretly about... We later. We'll, oh, okay. we'll attack him next time. Um, attack me. I tell you. You won't, so you won't like it. Here, here's what's funny to me is, like, when I think... Like, see, now I don't have children that I'm aware of, Right. <laughs> Father's Day is still a little I scary. I saw a kid that looked just like yeah, you there. I've seen a lot of them that <laughs> looked just like me. He was in the gym. He's like, Argh. yeah, he had big muscles. <laughs> and he didn't work out. He drove a Porsche. <laughs> and he doesn't work out. He drove a little Tonka Porsche. <laughs> a little Tonka um, Porsche. Your legacy lives past that, right? Like, it's not just about your family. When I think legacy, I think, like, of all the people that I don't even realize that I've impacted. The ripple effect. Because I will never hear about it. This happened to me recently in like a coaching session. We were, we were, I was speaking to somebody and I asked them a question. And in that moment, the question didn't really hit her in that way. And then I was in the next training course and she happened to be in the same one because this is all online. She's from another state. And she was like, hey, Brian, I got an answer to that question. Now, like it hit weeks later, right? Yeah, yeah. So there are so many people that you will impact that you will never know about. It's happened to me with recovery stories. I ran into some dude like a grocery store or something. He was like, do you remember me? Like, nope. It's like, oh, well, you gave your lead. I believe it was Fairbanks at the time. And, man, that really hit me. And I just want you to know that, like, that, it made sense to me that night. And it's helped me stay sober. And I'm just like, damn. Like, you know what I mean? How many other people are there like that? And the cool thing is I don't worry about that. 
That doesn't even cross my mind when I wake up in the morning. Is how many people am I going to impact today? I just know I'm going to do it. And whoever it is doesn't matter as long as it happened. I think that's important that. to realize, too, is that, like, everything we do matters. Everything that we don't do matters. Like, to us, it could seem nothing. It could seem frivolous. Or maybe we didn't want to do a certain thing or speak at a certain place or, or just shake somebody's hand and look them in the eyes and, and say, look, man, I, I love you, bro. You're, you're, or I'm proud of you. Like, that doesn't mean anything really to us. We may not even notice it, because that could totally change somebody else's life. And that is powerful. And I don't think... And that's what I love about now. When I first started... When I first got in recovery, and I, you know, a year or two in, maybe a year and a half in, I started talking about my recovery, started going live with it, started doing the things that we do, and having no idea what kind of impact that would have created doing the Monday motivation show and, and, and how that just really impacted a lot of people. And then we were just doing what we did. You know, we were just, you know, me and Brian Kendrick, were just doing what we did and we, we loved it. We loved the energy, but that show and, and coming out and talking about our recovery and being, being loud about it, man, it, it affected a lot of people. Oh, you were loud about it. You woke me up at 7 a.m. <laughs> screaming in the living room. Can I, can I talk about this, too? Because uh, Jake, Jake was at, uh, an alumni from the Sherman Houses, and he was one of those guys. And uh, I came in. Uh, he, Man, I got pictures of him. I wish, if you could find that picture, like, bloop, bloop it on here. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Chris Cobb, bloop the little picture of him, right? He's about a, he's a twig. He, he's he's a twig. What, what do you reckon you weighed when you first came in? A solid one fifty. <laughs> Imagine Jake, six foot. He claims six foot ten. I don't know how how tall are you? Six seven. Six. Okay, three. I'm a man of my word. I'm six three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's six three at one hundred and fifty pounds. I mean, he was a little skinny. He had that little beard. Remember your little cool beard that you had? The little you chin got, strap. You got the pictures of that the beard. Little, the little chin strap. Of course, I do. I was a lot different looking back then. <laughs> I wrote his ass about this chin strap thing that he thought was so cool. 150 pounds with a chin strap and a cock bill. Yeah. I, anyway. You know, I do look back at that, and I do not know what the heck I was thinking. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm so glad. That's one thing I, I, I say I'm We all for have you. pictures for that, man. And I, I look at those pictures often, Marty, to remember how far. Dude, I, I had a goatee that was like four and five inches long, so I, I can't say too much. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was a big, long, red goatee. I looked, I looked. I thought I was hot. Chicks dug it. But the point is, I'm trying to get to that. It's like Brett, Jake actually is a alum guy. He came through the program at Truman House, and, and he's worked his way. He basically got it out the mud. And I want to tell you, when I, <laughs> when I first saw Jake Bowmanshaw, it was in the front page of a newspaper that people were posting about this dude. Like, they were, they had a... Like they took clip it or a picture of the post of his picture and it had his arrest stuff, what he got arrested for. And I think you were stealing steaks from a grocery store. We, we can say steaks. Also, <laughs> it was pork chops. Okay. All what right. did you actually steal? It was like some shoe cleaner and like a pair of socks and the essentials. <laughs> uh, pack okay. of gum. <laughs> I got caught with $128 in my pocket. So. <laughs> He had $128 in his pocket. He's robbing the IGA for socks. Dollar General. And bubble gum. Dollar General. General. But anyway. You made me sound so good, though. (laughs) Steaks and IGA. 
It's not even steaks, because it's only steaks we can understand. All I got from that was that his feet were clean. (laughs) And he had good fresh breath. Right. Fresh breath. Fresh from toes to my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. Hold on. So, but but, but hold on. Go ahead. Let me finish this because so people were blasting him on on social media. Like, I, I read this post and there was like, I don't know, 150 comments or some shit. Just people just like rip. This dude is a POS and he's, he's a, you know, he's this, he's that, he's all these different things. And I'm reading it and I'm like, holy shit. What'd this guy do? You know, that was so bad. Anyway, I think your, I think your mom contacted me and, and I, I, you know, and I, I go back and I read it again. I'm like, yeah, I want this dude. Everybody hates him. He's uh he's he's doing all the things he's he's acting in addict behavior. So I, I want him, and and he ended up coming to the Truman House. I don't remember if, how that how that transpired exactly. Oh well, you saved my life. Oh, I love to hear that. <laughs> saved my life. Respectfully, you saved your own life. Well, respectfully, uh, I di- didn't do it willingly for the first couple months. So I was a f- I was a knucklehead. I understand that, but I and I'm not trying to discredit Marty by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. What Please I don't. want people to understand. When it comes to recovery, because I had opportunities too, right? Like I, I got a place to live and I, and I got the opportunity to get away from all of my struggles, but I did the work. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, and people you know, were there to support it, which did help. Don't get me wrong, but I had all that help before. Mm-hmm. I had parents that had plenty of money. I had all these things. I had, I had friends offer to like send me to the Betty Ford Club, whatever the heck the fancy one was in California. Malibu? Like, Malibu? like seriously, I had people once, that were like, I was oh, once an addict. I had an old boss that flat out said, I will pay whatever it takes. Like I've had all that. Yeah. So that only goes so far when you're not willing to, yeah. to dig deep. I say you saved my life and then I made a life of my own. Okay. How about that? He showed me a little bit of direction. And I took off from there. Yep. It's no. just like with anything though. If if with an addict and alcoholic, like if when you're not if you're not ready to fully surrender to a new way of life and new behaviors and new thoughts and new thinking and new all these different things, then you're you're just not gonna make it. I don't care if you're at Betty Ford or at Evolve Indie Center for Recovery. Poof, did you see that? See what I did there? <laughs> huh? Anyway, Everything. but you know, it's just that if you're not ready, then look, I've had look, I wasn't ready when I got into recovery, but I through like saying, okay, I'm not, I, I have no intention to stay in sober. Like I just, I gotta, I'm homeless. I'm cold as shit. Like I, I, I gotta get in this program cause I'm, 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 I'm hungry. I'm sick all the time. I'm, I'm sleeping outside. I'm cold. Let me in. And I had no intention to stay in sober. I just figured out, well, let's give us a try for a little bit, but something happened along the way. I started listening to direction. I started, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing, one little thing that happened was I walked into my first a meeting my first AA meeting and there was a guy chairing the meeting and I could tell that he could tell that I could tell we could tell but anyway he had been where I'd been you know he had tattoos you could tell he's been in prison you could tell he you know but he stood up and I'm in the corner right I got my arms crossed my hood up you know looking like I've been in a crock pot for six months you know And I'm in the corner, you know, not really, not making any eye contact. And this dude sat up straight. He talked assertively. He talked with, with, with authority. And I, and, and what he's, I don't remember what he said, right? And I think this is important. I don't remember anything he said, but I do remember how he made me feel when he was speaking. And I was like, 
that's that relatable aspect we just talked about. Because I knew he had been where I'd been and done what I had done, and he had found a way out, and I wanted what he had at that moment. Mm. You know what I mean? That's important. So we'd, we'd talked a little bit earlier when we talked about legacy. One thing that really hits me really in the heart is when you talk about living your truth. Like, that means something. That genuinely, to me, is the legacy. Because I only, I, I who everybody sees driving the pores. It's, yeah. uh, people don't understand why I did that, right? That was something on my, you know, my board. Like, it was a bucket list thing, and I got a smoking deal on it, and I made it work. Like, people think I just got this fat raise. No, I just, like we talked about before, I understand the market. Like, I yeah. wanted something bad enough that I found a way to make it happen without it affecting my life. Or financially. Or financially, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it cost me 100 bucks more a month to drive that. And now everybody thinks I'm you rich. You just asked me for twenty dollars when you got here. Well, I got to make the insurance <laughs> payment too, Dick. Twenty dollars is twenty dollars, bro. You know, so what I mean? when it, who you are is when no one's watching, right? That's who you really are. It's integrity. integrity. And so when it comes down to living the truth, some people get real mad at me for this kind of stuff because I'm the type that, like, if I see someone doing something, I'm like, do it, right? Do it twice, right? Like, yeah. if that is genuinely how you feel in the moment. Do it. If it's wrong, not my problem. That's your problem. Yeah. I'm going to support whatever decision you think you're making as long as it's coming from a place where in your heart it means something to you, right? And that's living your truth. That is, that is the legacy, in my opinion, is like people will know if I died today. Brian gave it to you straight. Whether you <laughs> yeah. like it He's or not. a straight shooter for I sure. I don't shoot you know? any other direction because I don't, I don't beat around the bush. I don't have time for that. This is how I feel. And it doesn't come from a place of, like, maliciousness. This is just my heart. But also at the same time, Brian, you're, you're on the same page with me. We shoot to the we're – we're gut shots every time, right? That's who you and I am. Yeah. Is that right? Is that are. Yeah. yeah. That's who you and I are. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Grammatical. Grammar's next. Grammatical. <laughs> Grammatical? <laughs> Grammatically, anyway, I'm mathematically correct, but we also, you and I, are humble enough to know that you know we could be wrong sometimes too, and we, that's a wait, one wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I've not yet been what? wrong, but Can somebody look up possible. the definition of wrong because I don't know this word. Uh, Marty, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, I've never been wrong yet. You know, we're but, on, I, but I'm open we're to live the idea. Right now. Of it. Being recorded. <laughs> But yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, anyway, though, yeah. like when we started this podcast, we I, we said like basically there's a lot of chances that, we, you know, our idealism and the things that we believe in, they could change. I mean, they could change from the start of this show, which is episode one to episode what, Chris? Seven. Sure. That episode. 17. 1700. We, we could change, right? A lot of things about us through conversations, through, in, you know, researching and through just things in life change. And we did different perspectives from different people. Like, we're going to change. And we're, we could be wrong. There's a possibility. It's not likely, but it's possible. Well, see, here's the There's thing like with a me. a 0.9% chance that you think you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't you. believe in, uh, let's, uh, this is going to be a stretch, but in theory, I don't believe in right or wrong, right? I believe in science. There is right and wrong, correct and incorrect, like scientifically. That's a true. Right and wrong untrue. on every other yeah. level is perspective. I get that. Because there are people that go out there and genuinely kill people and think that they're doing the right thing in their head. I mean, clearly they're messed up, but that's not the point. Like, they don't believe that they're, they don't feel the same way I would when I hurt someone. Like, they don't have the empathy. Like, in their head, it feels right. So right and wrong is perspective. So I don't do things about right and wrong. I do things based on 
sad and happy. What about this, though? So at one point in your life, you might feel like it's right. Mm -hmm. And you might feel like it's the right thing to do. It's yep. because you've, you've had it engraved in your life for so long that yep. that's, that's what you believe in. And then your perception, because it's your it changes. My belief Somebody, changed. Somebody come and, and change your perception. So what you did in the past was wrong because you have a different perception? Or is it still right because you believed it back then? It's still right. Wow. What a if I was happy in the moment, oh. if I was happy in the moment, then I was living my best life. Whether it was right or wrong is, again, still perspective to me. Like, people think that public display of affection is wrong and cursing is wrong. I don't. I don't curse. We've got, we've, we've had to, we've <laughs> had to bleep you out like 15 <laughs> times already. Like, again, to answer your question, yes, it, it was right in the moment. And then my belief system changed, which is perfectly fine. There are people that don't go to church that believe they're still going to heaven. I happen to be one of those people. It's not because I'm against the church. I it's because be. I have my perspective of what the Bible says. And I don't believe that the church is the way to heaven. I know Jesus is, and he's not in the church with me. He's in my heart. So that's where I live, right? I go to church. I celebrate. I do things, but I don't feel like if I don't get up on Sunday, I'm going to hell. And if I do, that's my problem, Yeah. right? So again, but then when I was little, oh man, if you didn't go to church every Sunday, I firmly believed I was going to hell if I wasn't there. Were you raised Catholic? <laughs> no, I was raised Christian. Okay, yeah. I was raised Catholic because everybody in my family just had that. And I would mm -hmm. go and I would get the bread and give the confession. And it just felt so forced I just felt so forced into it, and that's my own. That's Did, my truth. Didn't you grow up I, I, in, in Germany or something? Nazi Germany? Or, or? I'm from I'm from Germany. Yeah. No, I was born in England, <laughs> but I, I grew up in the U.S. Uh, so yeah, I was raised Catholic, and it just felt so forced that at a certain age I started to reject it, and I started to go against the beliefs that I was forced to believe in that, that when happens. I was younger, and that I was happens. just like. And then I felt like, okay, now I turn my back on Jesus. I've turned my back on religion. I've turned my. Since then, I I have the same belief you do. Right. So yeah. again, that's what I mean. Like in that moment, it's right. Yep. Now we're yep. talking about, um, according to society, f society. I don't care what I live my life not caring about what anybody thinks, but my parents and my wife, and, and even that, and Marty, he and cares. Even that is subject to things. Because me and my wife have that relationship where it's like, I'm me. This is who you married and you knew it from minute one. So I'm going to still be me even when it rubs you the wrong way. And I want the same from her. I don't, we've had these fights where it's like, what can I do to be better? Nothing. This right. is about us finding the adaptation, not about you changing who you are to fit my narrative. Right. That is not sustainable. It never works. And I hate when people do that kind of stuff. Don't tell me what you think will fix this. It's not about fixing it. It's not about right and wrong. It's about us being happy. Coexisting. So let's find the happiness in this space that works for both of us. And so I believe in sad and happy, and I believe there's a balance to it. If you were happy all the time, then what is it? It's just existing, right? So you have to have sad, and I have sad in my life, and I have struggle, and I have all these things. But I don't do things based on right and wrong. I do things because I know my heart is pure. And that I don't do things from malition. Like, that is not my motive in life. I'm not out to hurt people unless you hurt someone I know. And then I can be a pretty bad person. <laughs> but I'm like, honest He's like, I still, got, I, I still got thug in me, bro. I don't give like, a shit. Me 10 years ago, can't come back. I'm, yeah. I'm a, a <laughs> I really still got that in me. genuine person. But if you hurt someone I care about, yes, something could go wrong. And I would still sleep 
fine at night. <laughs> it's the problem. You could have an accident. Is and, what he's saying. and I don't think I even my intentions turn pure just because I stopped doing drugs and alcohol. And, right. and I used to feel that way. Okay, I stopped doing drugs and alcohol. Now I'm going to be this perfect human, and I'm going to have these great thoughts, and everything's going to be great. And I still was a piece of crap. Yeah, you man. know, like my wife helped me so much. And when we got when we were early on in our relationship, she was big like, shout out she, to Kim, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She was she was like, you're still kind of a dick, you know. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you're lying. You you know, you lied to me there. You did this. You did that. And I'm just like, I don't see it. And it's because I was in a toxic relationship, toxic relationships up until the age of 26, right? I'm 30. So, so whatever, the first time I got in a relationship was 11. So 15 years in toxic relationships, that's all I knew. That's all I knew how to be was freaking toxic. And that's what I kept around me because if you were toxic and I thought you were more toxic than I was, that gave me an excuse to stay my toxic self. Yeah. Right. So, and, and this is why I gave a big shout out to Kim because she's literally rode through this shit with him from from the Truman House on. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, she she uprooted her whole life to move up here and give us this opportunity to, like, yeah. we moved to Westfield at first. And if anybody's from the Indianapolis area, Westfield's an hour away from here. And I, you know, it was just a whole different. We didn't like. I knew you. You're my family, and I didn't know Brian yet. I didn't know anybody up here, but we moved kind of isolated away from everybody. She had no family. We changed all that. We changed it all, and she stuck with it. And but my point is, she's changed my perception on relationships. What a a good intention, like a good human looks like, because she's so pure. She's just been pure her whole life. It seems like, and for her to bring that, are we talking about the same Kim? Kim Kim is a gangster. No, this is this is awesome. Kim is a straight gangster. Based on this, because I like I love you, Kim. It gives me chills because my wife is very similar and. It, for the first couple of years, and even still sometimes today, it's struggle. I struggle to think that's even possible. Yeah, yeah. Like, how can you be such a good woman that you don't think about that hot dude in bed? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I'm like, how how is that even possible? Well, Brian still thinks she, she, there's a good possibility the neighbor comes over once in a while. <laughs> He's like, I've seen the girl next door. That's the guy next door. Right. Like, <laughs> that was so hard for me to comprehend. Right, because every relationship that I have been in was beyond toxic. Like, yeah. I'm talking like sleeping with another dude, engaged to him while living at my house. You slept with the yes. Oh, okay, okay. And I'm that's where it got sure. real weird. Was <laughs> we were both dating the same guy? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, what just happened? Uh, no, wait, so, did you like, just come out of the closet? <laughs> yes. Well, I was. No, I'm half. This half has out. to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. the I, I get that. Like and and how do you live in that today? Like that can't have gone away in five years. You can't get rid of fifteen years in five. So it uh, I'm a work in progress. I'm always gonna be a work in progress and mm-hmm. I've came to accept that, right? But I've seen the changes in myself from year one to year two to year three to, to now. I mean five years, yes, has it changed significantly? Do I still have things to work on? My first instinct sometimes isn't the purest and she she checks me she's like hey did she know it getting she, into it she had, i think i she w- met you did she know what she was getting into? i think i was pretty good at masking it okay. I, I to be honest but i think i think in the first six months of any relationship you put on that best you, okay well, you're, <laughs> you're brian gordon but yeah. you do you put on that you put on that best you know act and, or maybe not even act you just put on your best self and i was fresh in recovery and i was doing these things i was feeling good i was hitting the gym and but i was crappier relationships 
I was. I compared her to every other woman well, I Kim's used to be with. Kim's smart. She understood. Yep. I mean, she, I don't give a shit. She knew. She knew, you know. She's she, not, she might have had an idea, but I don't think she knew the full extent of, like, how I was sick. But yeah. she basically and, and made you live in your truth, right? She did. Because she was like, I'm not going to have it any other way. Yep. I know what bullshit smells like. She does not put up with it. And it stinks in here. And I'm calling you out. Yep. And you had to live in that space, right? So when it comes to the truth... I believe that the truth is the most freeing experience that you could ever live in. And sitting down with my wife on our first date, oh boy. going through all that was like, <laughs> I don't I mean, look, I want everybody to know out here. Like I, Brian is an exception to this. Like he <laughs> sat down on the first date and told her, look, I'm a, you said everything, but I'm a piece of shit and I'm going to cause nothing but havoc in your life. Do you still want this? You know, well, I did offer to buy dinner. <laughs> It's You're like, like, I'll go. We could just go hey, now. You know, actually, you leave the tip. It's leave all, the if tip. I was Ginny, I would have been like, this dude doesn't even want to woo me at all. No, like, here's the thing. Like, F him. I ended that sentence with, but I will love you more than anybody harder. ever could and harder than anybody ever will. And she knew that was true because I had just led with a vomit of truth. <laughs> And so and, how could I be lying? Why would I lie with that? Right. And that's, that's good to do though. Be upfront about it because then it sets that expectation bar, right? Like the expectate, her expectation was, oh, okay, I know what I'm getting myself into. And it was, I'm talking like I got massive trust issues. I'm going to push you away. It's going to be very difficult for me to fall in love. Like I am not in a place, but you're good looking and you've got your life together. And if, and we had like this odd connection though, like we were just like, good friends it was from minute one it was crazy and so i, I, like I think you're that. met you were good friends due to your communication because i'm sure she was just like blown away like holy shit like this dude is going to lay this all out here which makes her intrigued even more she's probably never came across anybody who was anywhere honest you know he literally ripped his heart out and set it on dinner plate no no what do you mean I heart it was his like, vomit i felt like I was I was in this weird space when I left that. I'm like, that's either going to go really well or really bad. <laughs> She's either going to call me before I get home or never again. Uh, so can can we get off relationships? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Holy shit. Hold on. Well, we, we went. <clears throat> we'll, we'll dig into truth with you later, Marty. But here's, I'm just talking about living in truth. And relationships yeah. happen to be a foundation. And I'm talking about with friends. Like, even... When me and Marty first talked about this podcast, I'm like, look, this is how it has to be. Money can never be a problem. We're going to run it the way we want to run it. And we're not going to let, I don't care if somebody comes in and offers us a million dollars a year to sponsor this. If it doesn't feel right, that's not what this is about. It's got to be foundationally true. I'd like to get those offers, though, on the table, though. Yes, definitely. We will definitely filter through them <laughs> and see which one feels right. By episode 17, we'll have Jake Bowman on here. I, I figured that was part yeah of it that's too. definitely that was in the contract this was not marty's idea no this was my idea it was brian's it was i fine. genuinely I, I i live with you have every, an admiration you for you like i like oh let's let's really like because honest to god yeah that admiration like, like look you bro i'm just mean, a good person and and you may think that sounds like the stupidest thing i've ever said but who you are today like from minute one when i met you there was just something about you that I saw this this hunger, this drive, this determination to do something, and it wasn't about anybody but you. Yeah. And while most people think what an arrogant asshole, I think that is what a man is supposed to be as long as you don't treat others like crap because of it. 
And, and I, that's what you didn't do. You treated me great. I mean, you were a little shocked the first time I stood up to Marty, but yeah, and uh, <laughs> and I think uh, and I think people do get shocked by that mm-hmm. because Marty's Marty's Marty, right? People, hold on, he's Marty, and okay. and everybody is gonna have this this whatever about him because of social media and what he does with his life and all these things, and they associate us together. I love that because once they meet me and they meet Marty and they find out that they're not arrogant freaking assholes. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and I don't like my social media. It looks like I'm on vacation every other weekend. Yep. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day. She's like, every other weekend, it looks like we're in on vacation and we live this, but we have real life things going on. You, you, you know, like grinding, I'm, a, I'm a real person and I grind and I, and I do these things because I want a better life for myself mainly. Well, I mean, so look, because look, then, look at then your it grind. Has that ripple effect. Look at your grind everybody. though. I mean, really look at your grind. Really. I, I think, I think a lot of us don't take the time. To really, because we get wrapped up in life, we get wrapped up in the grind, we get wrapped up in our careers, we get wrapped up in the gym, we get wrapped up in our relationships, and we don't take that minute to just stop and be like, holy shit, like, five years ago, I was, I was stealing <laughs> socks from, from, uh, from steaks. A, a steaks. <laughs> just say shoe cleaner. Shoe cleaner. I, I was, I was stealing so bubble gum from a damn they dollar store. You know what I mean? And, and, and really think about that, though, because, like, Dude, you were you were on the front page of a paper, you know, five years ago, and today you've made it through. You've grinded it through. You've got into relationships. You've had babies. You, you're becoming a father. You're your facilities manager at Evolve Indie. I mean, you're and not only that. I mean, if you look at that, that's that's phenomenal, right there. Mm-hmm. But the lives that you're that you get to work with every single day in recovery, in in treatment. You know, I mean, like I get. I see the reviews that we get and almost I'd say 60, 70% of those reviews are talking about the staff at Evolve Indy. They're talking about Jake. They're talking about so-and-so. They're talking about the, the behavioral health techs. They're talking about the therapist. They're talking about Annie. They're talking about the, all these people and, you know, and, and they're talking about you a lot and how you like sat down with them and you actually gave a shit about them and you actually cared for them. And that's the first time many addicts and alcoholics have ever really felt that. You know what I mean? So that's powerful. And that's, dude, I, could you imagine like five years ago when you were 150 pounds with your little, with your little beard there? So you're five years sober? It was a chin strap. And it was very even on my face. No, it okay. wasn't. It <laughs> <Yeah>. wasn't. <laughs> so hold on, you're five years sober? I'll have five years in August, yeah. Okay, I'm five years in July. I'll be sorry. July what? June fifteenth. Okay, so June fifteenth. July first, I'll have eight years. August fifteenth. Yep. July first, I'll have eight years rocking my recovery. So bam. I want I want the people that are in recovery to understand this, and and in reality, even people that aren't, it's it's the drive, right? Like when I came here from California, I had two suitcases, six hundred bucks. I had shut down a business. I was. Just done. Aimless. I mean, done, right? I jumped on a plane because I had a job opportunity for $9 an hour. You really call that an opportunity? <laughs> <laughs> it was, when $9 an hour is better than the life that you're living, making $150,000 a year, something. being broke, that says something, that says right? Something, yeah. I was done. I was just done. From that, five years come by, almost, married, going on our third year. Whoop, whoop. Going from $9 an hour to a number I won't mention. What is it's it? It's definitely not $9 what, an hour, uh, but it's close to five times that and building a life, right? Like fixing my credit, doing all these things, like going back and being able to fix problems without a guilt 
like being able to talk to people. But that came with the truth of living in a very uncomfortable space for a while. And that is the key to not only recovery, in my opinion, the connection to yourself and to others, right? But for just people in general, like, again, going all the way back around to living in your truth. The truth is you can't hide from who you really are. Be who you are. If you want to change it, that's great. But you got to to figure out, before you can get to point B, you got to figure out what point A looks like. That's what I... I always say this to people and I don't think people understand. Like to me, it was one of those things that punched me right in the gut. Like you do not get what you want out of life. Like take that. You don't get what you want. You get what you are. So that like, I wish people could really take that in and, and digest that you get what you are and everything else is a byproduct that you talk about. Right. It's not, you there's know? no karma bank. Like you stop you, acting like you're a good person, hoping something good will happen when you go home and beat up your girlfriend. Like, we're on to you, Tom, or whoever you are, right? Like, I get it. I'm not speaking we're to an actual always, Tom. We're always watching. What's you know up, what Bob? I mean? Like, I'm being serious, though. Like, these people think that if I go treat everybody good, then what I do behind closed doors is okay. Well, it's not even it's that. Gonna it's going to balance it's, the world. I don't even think it's that. It's like they want uh, you. I just said it. You get what you are. And, and most people that are watching this and that are in early recovery or think about getting recovery, I promise you who you are is not going to get anything great in your life. You're not going to get the, the cosmic, the universe is not going to open doors for you because of who you are. When you start working on who you are instead of what you want or what you want to become or, or the, who you want people to see you as, when you start working, shut all that shit down and start working on you, and what your faults are, what your what your character defects are, and start working on that. And behind closed doors with nobody watching, you know, that's when the real change is going to start taking place, and then all the residuals will come in after that, you know. If I looked at who I was early on, it's totally different than what I am now. Yeah. So the growing pains, like, for those of you that are wanting to get in recovery or, early, like, in early recovery, it takes time. And I heard that so many, I heard it so often. Oh, grumpy. Was like, oh, grumpy. Yeah. God rest his soul. Grumpy. He, he kept, he always told me, it just takes time. You know, and you put a glass eye in a duck's ass, see that? And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. I, I don't know. Ducks, whatever. So he said that enough. And I was like, well, obviously it's just going to take me a little bit of time. And now, now I look back and I see what that means. But yeah, what doesn't, know. Right. Like, let's, let's, let's think about it. There are people that are, like, naturally gifted at things, right? Like, that's cool. You're a natural athlete or whatever. But you still were not great without years of doing that every day. Yeah. Basketball players, like, guys that get good at it. And I'm talking, like, next level good. Dribble through their home. Like, <laughs> right. I'm being serious, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. They walk around with a damn basketball. You probably find one in the back of their car at all points in time. Yeah. And if they see a hoop, they get out and they shoot. And they shoot. And they go to sleep throwing it at the same spot against the wall. Like this is what people do. It's just time passes and you don't realize when you turn around that it's been eight years. Yeah. You weren't born that way. Greatness is inside of you, but it has to be developed. Agreed. You have to acknowledge it, accept it and be patient with it. There's not a, there's some people that have like instant success with businesses. I've seen it happen too many times where they blow up in like the first year. Awesome. Those people that usually experience that don't make it past 10. This is like, you can look up the data on this because there was no journey. 
it was just like instant. And then they're like, what do I do now? I've got all the money I need. I don't know what the hell to do. They lose their drive, right? There was no, there was no actual like growth factor to it. And that doesn't, I don't say that to scare anybody. Cause when you really think about it, five years is not that long. Yeah. I've completely transformed my life in five years. I'm excited about what the next five years look like. That's it right there. Right. Okay. And that means I'll be 46. That's still it. Still young. Oh gosh. Twice your age. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30. Yeah, whatever. He likes to throw that. He hangs out with older people, and he's like, "I'm thirty. You guys, I'm proud to be thirty. We're we're happy for you, Jay. Everybody always asks. No, I didn't even get sober until I was thirty-five. But everybody asked me like, "How were your twenties?" And I was like, "I don't know. They were split right down the middle. Half (laughs) of it was chaos and and misery, and it was just terrible. And then the other half, it was my thirties is going to be my best years. There you go. Thirties. Mine were similar. That's that's it's arguable. Like I had. I mean, I was experimenting with drugs most of the time, but my later 20s were once I realized that I was an addict, meaning like I had more of a opiate addiction that got forced onto me. I didn't realize the psychological impact of like what it felt like when like I got divorced, my wife left. I was like, cool, see you later. Wait a minute. Holy crap. I don't, How'd that happen? Like I I've been heartbroken most of my life and I don't remember her even walking out the door for the most part, right? Because I was so... Messed up on something that you don't feel anything. That's the point of it. But what is scientifically proven is that people that don't feel, because there's so many people like, I wish I just didn't feel. Those people die early. Damn, I want to die Because they don't know what pain is supposed to feel like, and so they've adjusted to the new pain, and then when something serious happens, it's normal. And then they die of a heart attack, stroke, all these things because they've gotten numb to so many things. So I try to feel as much as I can, and I'm a I'm an empath by nature. Like when people fall, I feel it in my bones. Like I genuinely feel it. It makes me cringe, and I love that. It makes are me. You emotional. The type, are you the type? Are you the person who watches them uh, them videos and you when they wipe out on their skateboard? Or, it hurts. I feel that shit. <laughs> it too, genuinely bro. hurts. Whenever you see Am I alone? High, like your my stomach. palms sweat, my stomach <laughs> drops. But when someone hits the ground, I feel that too, bro. I feel it. <laughs> I thought I was alone. No, man. my wife thinks I'm crazy sometimes. I'm, I'm like, like oh, no, I don't think you hurt. get it. Like, it hurts. Like when that dude, when the dude on the skateboard, he, he goes across the handrail and he gets the, bam, he lands on it right in his crotch. You like, feel that? I do. Oh, yeah. I swear to God, that's why I can't watch that shit. I miss my left testicle. <laughs> <laughs> that dude that wrecked the skateboard broke my testicle, <laughs> and it wasn't even me. I didn't even do it. No, but Jake, like, my question to you would be. In speaking to anybody, if I were to give your eulogy, let's just go dark with it. I don't give a shit. This is going to be fun. Oh, God. If I were to give your eulogy today and you, let's play you as me, what do you think I would say? Jake Bowman was, Mm. give it to me. So I think you would, well, you're very theological. So I think you would go into some great detail about how as compared to a Greek God. Okay. (laughs) No, I I mean, I think think first off you would be, You'd be honest, and you'd say, you know, my my perception of Jake and things like that before I met him. I don't, I don't know exactly what you would say, mm-hmm. but when you when I did meet him, uh, humble, you know, some words that you were throwing in there, mm-hmm. uh, you could tell that I had great intention. You know, honest. He Deep, likes to work out a lot. Conversations. I mean, just seeing you in the gym, like we always stop and we always acknowledge each other, mm-hmm. respect. You know, he was a respectful person, and Jake um, has a whole cupboard and, full of. Uh, I, pre-workouts. I don't have a workout problem. 
Definitely not a workout problem. Well, okay. <clears throat> Again, right and wrong problem is, but, is perspective. You know, and I think you would, <clears throat> you would go into details about, I mean, that just the effect of, of the changes that, that you've seen because you personally have been, have been down that journey. I don't think you'd make it about yourself, but there are similar comparisons between us that I think you could touch on. I mean. I think uh, Jake Bowman Child's a great, great person. Driven. Being. Compassionate. Empathetic. What do you guys think? Genuine. Truthful. Great full father. of integrity, good father, good husband, great friend, ride or die. Like, I believe you'd be there if I needed you, right? And that's the great thing about it is, like, I would be there for you if you, because we, actually I called him when we were, we were on the way out of town, and he was, we were joking about a possible. We love you, Jenny, by the way. <laughs> we were joking about a possible situation, and he was like, oh, I know what this is. Just tell me where to be and when to bring the shovel. <laughs> I got the bags of lime in my garage. My wife was like, wait a minute. I was like, I'm taking my wife to the lake. And he was like, oh, I know this phone call. Where do I need to be? And do I need a shovel? I was like, just drop me a pin and I'll, I'll be there. Like, I believe Kimberly, that I'll be home you. late tonight. Right? I'm home dirty. I believe that about you. And Kimberly would be like, I, I, got, I got a shovel too. She'd be like, you want to take my car? It's better on gas. Right. That's what I'm saying though. Like, I don't yeah. think people get it. Like, I don't think people understand. I, I have consulted for massive businesses i currently am higher up in a company that does multi-million a year and i wouldn't do what you do why because i carry too many things home it's hard it's a hard job it's tough i would be lying if i said it never happens i would i was talking to a, a client yesterday i was talking to him he's in my office and he's struggling and he is struggling he did almost 10 years in prison you know and i said man come down here let me tell you a little bit of something. Let me tell you a little bit about me. Let me first relate to you. Let me look you in the eye, and I'm going to give you that respect because I know his past. I mean, he told me a little bit about it, and at the end of the conversation, I told him I was proud of him. And he looked at me and said, that's the first time I've ever been told that in my life. First time anybody's ever looked at me and said, I'm proud of you. And, I, I mean, he gave me a hug. You know, I mean, he's a big dude. He's, not, he's been in prison 10 years. He stood up, he gave me a hug, right. tears in his eyes, and it was just like, did I take that home with me? I well, took yeah. I took that part home with me, and I wish those, the positive parts are the only part. I do take some negatives home with me as well. Right, and yeah. and as you should, and I take negatives home with me, but I'm just bitching about somebody calling in sick or the fact that I had to go install 6,000 pounds of granite or something. If stupid. you're watching the show, do not call in sick again. <laughs> Ever again. Um, you Fired! Know, like, I want people to understand what it what it genuinely looks like to be you and to be Marty. Because I do have respect for it. I thought about it. Now, coaching is different. Um, and I'm always willing to work with people in recovery because of my experience with it, right? But living it. Can I just say this? So, like, working in recovery and working in treatment is, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, when I first got in sober and I first got in recovery and I was thinking about, you know, I first, you know, I'm one of those guys, like, I want to become a drug and alcohol counselor. I have no idea what that is, right? <laughs> No idea what that entails or what it looks like or anything. But, you know, it, this is not, this is why burnout's so big in, in, in the mental health and, and addiction field is because it's not, it's not a, this is not a nine to five. There is no, there is no, and a lot of people who, who have these boundaries in life really, like, I, I question their ability to, to do what we do. 
as far as helping people get into treatment and, and helping people find their path and working with the families and working with the mothers and, and working with the children and trying to find resources for every single person. Like this is what we do. And, the, and working with clients one-on-one in group settings in, in all the, all the manager operations that you do at Evolve Indie, cause you, you pretty much oversee a lot of everything really besides clinical you oversee everything there and you oversee all the clients and you oversee a lot of the behavioral health techs and and it's just not something that it's made it's not something for everyone like this is a this is a job this is a career this is a lifestyle it is a lifestyle it's not you can't look at it like a job this is a lifestyle that we took on because this is ultimately for me jake i don't know about you ultimately for me this helping people keeps me sober it's that one, it's that relatable aspect where, you know, I could be all up in my shit, be going, shit going on in my world and everything just disarray. And then that guy comes around the corner and says, Hey man, you got a second we could talk. And then instantly all that shit is gone and I focus on somebody else and I feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have the, I don't have the desire. You know, if I, if I stayed in all that disarray, maybe a thought of a drink would come into my life, you know, but since I ran into this person and he's going to lay his stuff on me and I'm going to try to help him out, I'm going to try to coach him into where he needs to be and what he needs to do. All that's gone, you know? So I guess the end result is this is not a job for everyone. It takes a special type of person. You are the, like Jake, when you, when you, when I hired you in, I was like, okay, he's just going to come in and he's going to burn out in a, in a few months and, and he'll be, he'll probably move on to another career. You know, he'll probably go back to, what'd you do, painting? He'll probably go back to that anyway. Cleaning shoes would be my guess. <laughs> stealing the socks. The guy in the mall. Stealing socks. You I thought know that's I mean? why you were stealing the shoe cleaner and that's why you had $128 in tips. Yeah, I had a side hustle. Okay. It was yeah, yeah. shoe whitening. Okay. Hey, I don't care what, what you are in life as long as you're the best yeah. at it, you know? But here's what I want people to understand right. and I don't think they get. As you explain all this stuff, the word servant comes to mind. And in society, you would be less than. But in reality you are greater than technically. And I don't mean like you don't look down on people. I mean, it takes a special kind of person to wash someone's feet or, or sit with them in the darkness. Yeah. And not judge. Like the reason I connect with so many people is there is no judgment from me. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've gone through or are going through. And I'm not going to act like I get it because my story was similar because I don't get it. I'm not you. I'm just going to sit there with you because I do recognize what it feels like, but I don't know what it feels like for you. And I want to know, and that takes a servant. Right. And I don't think people understand that service of others is the greatest joy in the world. Yeah. Monetary value. Sure. It means a lot. You know, everybody wants to make good money in life, but that is not the purpose that I do what I do. It's not a hundred percent. I can look you in the eye and tell you, I don't care what my salary is. I want to make sure that I make an impact on people's lives because that's my purpose today. Like that is, that is who I feel like I'm meant to be is somebody that helps other people. I, I've been through the struggle. I, I know what it looks like. I lived it. It wasn't for me. That shit, it was played out in the end for me. Right. I, I did not want to live that way anymore. So now I do everything I can because how many, how many people overdose a year, Marty? Just shoot a number out there. 80,000. 80,000, right? I cannot impact 80,000 a year. That we are aware of. Right. 92,000. Yeah, I mean, there's probably probably hundreds of thousands, really, in reality. 
Now so, we're talking about overdose deaths, right? Like yeah. overdose, overdose deaths, right? Yeah. It was ninety-two thousand. That has nothing to do with the close out- calls and ruined lives and ones they recognized yeah. as suicide because after they did that, they shot themselves. And, and I'm sure a lot of those like, people got yeah. uh, got the COVID check marks. And, and we talk about that ripple you know? effect <laughs> in the positive way. That we've all talked about that. What about the ripple effect in the negative way? Yeah. Of of ninety thousand overdose deaths. There's that's a million some people. I'm I'm sure. So if I can impact one life a day. You know, that's my goal. I wake up and I don't focus on I'm going to work today and I'm going to have a problem at work because let's face it, I go in and I expect clients to struggle and I expect clients to have something going on. I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it as I'm the person that can help them come up with the solution. Come on, baby. Solution. Come on, baby. That's totally different. That's what what a problem is. And I don't think people understand that is a problem only means an opportunity for a solution. You're moving forward. That's the only way you can get to a problem is you have to move far enough forward to see a problem and that means that you need to find a way to move past it. That's yeah. what a problem is. And, Otherwise, and, you're just living in your space. And clients, and they, I'm going through this. You know, I'm going through that. Yep. I'm going, and I said, you're not going through anything right now. You know what you're going to do? You're going to grow through all these things that you're going. It's all opportunities for growth. Mm-hmm. And, and they might not see it at first, but after about 30, I mean, we're 35 to 45 days. That's not very long. You know, so we try every day to get, to get their attention and, and tell them something of value. And after that 30 days, we see it. I mean, we see it tenfold. You know, I mean, they're totally different people than when they come in. They come in broken. They come in. I mean, you look in the mirror. I remember looking and just seeing just nothing. Yeah. I, I didn't know what was looking back at me, but I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, and I ask them, who, who do you think you are now? And now I hear them talking about solutions. So it's nice to see the transition from the problematic person, the the negative, the oh, coming in pissed off and mad and, and cussing. I like that. I like when you come in cussing. Let's go out back and scream at me. I'm that guy. You know, you know, guys that worry me, the guys or girls that worry me when they come in, just be bopping and happy to be there. I'm like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. You're I'm on like, day oh. two. Are you fully detoxed? <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. What are you on? <laughs> but anyway, Jake, Jake, thank you for, for yeah. coming by, man. We appreciate you. We're going to have you back on the show. Guys, tell us what you thought about this. Tell, cuss out Jake. Tell Jake, by the way, if he parks in my grass again, yeah, it's not well, in the it's it's the city's grass. I'm going to move my car right it's now onto your I am so driven. over over. I have said it 15 times. Jake, don't park in my grass. Jake, don't park. In my I grass. have these little bitty tires on, on my on, little truck. Hold on, hold on. I want <laughs> oh, to make, make, <laughs> make a quick point here. Here we how go. Many, how many times here does someone tell you, Marty, don't do those drugs? Don't do those drugs. Yeah, you Marty, know, the more you tell somebody not to do something, the more they want to do The same people who told me not it. to do drugs are the ones giving me the drugs. I go to pull out of my driveway the other day. I got two cars blocked in by Marty's yep. truck. Both of them. It's a big truck. So these are first world problems. But what I want to leave everybody is with this. <laughs> Your Love purpose you. in life should be service. This is my opinion. I could be wrong, but I don't care about that because <laughs> right and wrong doesn't exist. Oh, here so we go. Your purpose in life should be if you want... To experience more things, add value, Amen. right? Amen. If you think you're worth something, then go add value to something. That's what makes you worth something, not what's in your bank account. Don't don't come, don't come to me and ask me what I can do for you. You come to me and, and you add value to me, and right. I promise you, you will get places. Right. When you have two people adding value, all you're going to get is a positive result, right? Mm. That's that's just how now we're going scientific with it. That's a positive adding a positive, and then you. Put two positive together, two plus two equals four, right? Again. Does it though? It's really that simple. Yeah. So serving others is not a bad thing. Serving others is a genuine purpose in life and you have to be built for it. And if you're not built for it, that's okay. Understand your space and just exist. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Yeah. 
and I'm, I don't want everybody to be for everybody, right? Like, otherwise, who are we actually serving when everybody's serving everybody? It's just a new existence. There has to be balance. <laughs> like, I'm fine with that. I don't expect everybody to do this, but I want everybody to understand that it's okay that not everybody's a servant. Yeah. I'm one, and I'll always give when I can, and when I can't, you better believe you're going to hear the word no. No is, okay a com- with that. no is a complete sentence, by the way. So, with all that... It is. Thank you for what you do. Yes. If I were, I'm going to leave it with this. If I were to give you an obituary, it would be too long. I would probably get kicked out of the place. It'd be longer than this podcast. (laughs) And it would be genuine. Yeah. Because I have that much I could say about you in a short amount of time. So understand you do impact people more than you realize it. You give off an energy that is so noticed that even when something shift gears, my wife noticed it and actually reached out to me was like, Jake was off today. That is your energy. And it is so powerful that when it is a little bit off, even though it was just your pre-workout and you were super bogus, right? Uh, people were super hyper-focused. People were like, it, but it shifted. And that, that means that your frequency is shifted. And when it shifts, it's impactful. Yeah. So understand your place in life has an impact on people that you may never realize. And that holds a lot of responsibility. So when you carry yourself, you always carry yourself well. And I admire you for that at your age, especially. So that's why I wanted you on here today. Thank you, bro. Jake. Thank you, man. We are big fans. Yeah. Yes. So listen, like, subscribe, follow us. Jake will be back because I get a saying. He will not park in my yard. That's all I got to say. He will not. I'm pouring concrete on Marty's whole entire property. You have dandelions the size of my arm out there. Uh, Have a great day, guys. (laughs) 